Fantastic. It's so wonderful to see you at Edge Church this morning. You can be seated. Wow. Today we're kicking off a brand new series, and I'm so excited about this because, as you know, about two or three weeks ago, the county lifted the mask mandates, and we're getting back to, come on, can I get a witness today? And we're getting back to a little more normal, amen, and we want to get our church back to normal today. So we're going to go back, we're going to go back to some of the things that have made Edge Church a great church over the past few years. Today, I want to talk to you about something I'm so excited about, I'm so passionate about. It's about bringing people to church. And we've called this the Bring Series, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get back to what we're really all about, bringing people to Christ. And I want you to take out your notes today and open your Bibles to the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew. And while you're turning there, listen, the reason that this is so important is because When we live on purpose with God, it brings significance in our life. You may be thinking, well, pastor, I'm not really an extrovert. I don't really invite people to church. That's kind of maybe for the Navy SEAL type Christians. That's not for me. But you know what? There is nothing more powerful and wonderful than living in the middle of God's purposes for our lives. And when we do that, we find significance which is something that we all really desire. Amen? So this is going to be a great two-week series today. I want you to open your Bibles there to Matthew 9. Let's look together at God's Word. It says in verse 35, Then Jesus went into all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and, and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because They were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. And then in verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's moving through the region of Galilee. And we know that there was around 200 different villages and cities surrounding the Sea of Galilee. Three million people lived in that vicinity. And Jesus was after all of them. I mean, Jesus was ministering. He was healing sick people. He was teaching. He was loving. He was exhorting. Jesus Christ, he was the greatest people magnet that the world has ever seen before. I mean, there was something magnificent about Jesus. And Jesus was attractive because of his teaching. He was attractive because of his miracles. But Matthew highlights something else that I don't want us to miss. One of the reasons people loved Jesus is because he was so compassionate. And you notice there in the text, it says in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out. And let me tell you today, church, one of the great reasons that we need to be bringing people to church is because we have compassion for hurting people. And our world is full of people that are struggling. Teen suicide rates are up. Addictions are up. Marriages are crumbling. 
People are hurting. And God wants us to look at our community through the lens of compassion. And when we do that, we are looking at the world in the same manner that Jesus sees us. And Jesus was moved with compassion. So see, reaching people is motivated by compassion. And God wants us to see the people around us through the lens of people who are hurting. I love this word compassion in the language of the New Testament. It's a word that means pitied from his innermost bowels. Now, how about that? In other words, like when Jesus was moved by compassion, it wasn't just something that was flippant. It was not something that was just casual. There was something deep in the heart of Jesus that was moved when he saw people that were hurting. I mean, it came from the core and the essence of his being. And listen, when Jesus looks at you, he he sees you with compassion. See, sometimes we just think, well, God is upset with me because I've made some mistakes. Or we feel like that maybe God looks at us with the spirit of judgment. I want you to know today, man, Jesus sees us with compassion. And because Jesus sees us with compassion, we ought to see others in the same light. Why do we want to fill this place up? Because people are hurting and people need God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ makes a difference in our lives? Amen? Do you believe that? Come on, somebody. Yeah. And if Jesus really is the answer, don't we want our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our family members to know about how magnificent he really is. So G- Jesus is he's moved with compassion. It's not just a facade. It's from the, the core of his being. And, 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 and maybe if we would look at the people around us from the vantage point of, of, looking, of looking at the world from people's viewpoint from from their shoes maybe we would not be so judgmental I mean it's kind of easy to look around and go well she's got problems and you know if she wouldn't have done that then then she might not have this over here and and you know he's done that and, and and we all can be a little judgmental can we not like we live in a world that is judgmental but one of the distinguishing advantages of being a Christ follower is that when you walk with Jesus, you see the world a little bit differently. And you see the world through the lens of compassion. Our church is a compassionate church. God wants us to be a community of faith that is about reaching and touching the hearts of of people. It's beautiful. It's really a beautiful thing. Um, Are we so busy going through our schedule that we don't take time to show compassion? Maybe we should just slow down a little bit this week, right? And look around and just say, man, who's hurting? Who's hurting? I, I, want, I want to bring them to church next week. You, you may not know how to answer all of people's theological questions. I get that. But you know what? You could extend a simple invitation that might be the greatest opportunity that that person has ever known before. We're motivated by compassion. And notice it says that Jesus was compassionate because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, let's be honest, sheep sheep are the dumbest animals that God ever created. Are they not? 
Somebody earlier this week said, no, it's cats. And I was a little offended because I'm a cat guy. I love cats. Cats are sophisticated, though. Cats are smart. Sheep are dumb. They're real dumb. Shepherds have even said that if a group of sheep are near a cliff, many times they will just all walk off the side of the cliff together. They will just follow each other. I mean, sheep, they're pathetic, man. It's the only, it's the only animal that has a full-time job devoted to their nurture and care. And dog walkers don't count, okay? I mean, think about it. And if you don't trim the, the sheep, then the hair grows like crazy and the animal will get parasites and can die. They don't have any defense mechanisms. They don't have claws. They're not fast. They're not smart. They don't have teeth. They're, they're defenseless. And that was the picture that Jesus was painting when he saw people that were hurting. He said, people are like sheep who don't have a shepherd. When the sheep doesn't have a shepherd, the sheep, it panics. In fact, a sheep is not even capable, many times, of finding food and water on their own. They are 100% dependent on the shepherd. That's why the 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd, because the sooner in life that we learn that we are absolutely, totally dependent upon God, the better that our life will be. So Jesus says, these people are worn out. They're worn down. Listen, if you don't have a shepherd, you're going to be worn down. Some of you are really going through some hard things right now. Listen, you need to know that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one that's going to lead you and direct you and protect you and watch over you and lead you and all that. Listen, we need the good shepherd. But Jesus is motivated by compassion because he saw people who were hurting and they needed a shepherd and he knew how badly people needed, needed the gospel and needed the Lord. Wow. Reaching people is motivated by compassion, but I want you to see a second thing here. It's driven by prayer. Okay. Now look at this in verse 37. Check it out. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. See, a lot of times when we think about reaching people and prayer, we think that we should pray for people to know Christ. And that's true, and we should do that. But, but notice what Jesus says. Who does Jesus say that we should pray for? Do you see it? We ought to pray for the workers. Sometimes we think, well, I gotta, I gotta pray for my neighbor that doesn't know Christ, and we should do that. But Jesus says, even more importantly, we ought to pray that God would send workers into the harvest field. So, so we are, are, are people who are motivated by compassion, but we are driven by prayer. And we should be praying, God, would you put more people into the field so we can harvest more seed, more spiritual harvest. And this concept of harvest is, is a beautiful biblical concept. It means people coming to know the Lord. It means people coming to faith. You know, I was thinking about this. My grandparents, my granddads, both of them were farmers. And when it was harvest season, all you did was harvest. 
Seven days a week, harvest, harvest, harvest. Everybody harvest together. You'll never see one person working in the field by themselves. It's a community thing, amen? Do you see the picture that Jesus is painting? It takes a lot of folks. It takes a lot of workers in the field to accomplish the harvest. So when you bring your friends to church, they're welcomed here by our First Impressions team. They, we have fantastic teachers and all of our kids' experiences. Um, we, we have a, a great worship experience. It, it takes everybody in the field to, to pull that off. And, and Jesus says, if that's going to happen, it has to start with prayer. So we need to be praying that God would put more workers into the field. He's, the problem is not that people are, are struggling. The problem is not that people are hurting. The, the problem is not even that people don't want to hear about Christ. The problem is we don't have enough workers in the field. And Jesus says, listen, if more people were, were, were working the fields, if more people were in, engaged in the game, then, then the harvest would be greater. He says the harvest is plentiful. The problem is the workers are few. Okay, this, this is kind of an indictment on us, isn't it? And why is that? Because Jesus knows that we need leadership. The church cannot operate if we don't have leaders, if we don't have influencers, if we don't have people that are shepherding the folks. In fact, when the term shepherd is used, this is not talking about, about the pastor. This is talking about people who shepherd others, which are leaders. So in essence, all of us can be shepherds and, and can be shepherding. So we got to pray for God to send out more leaders that more can be accomplished for the kingdom of God. Everything rises and falls on, come on, say it with me, leadership, right? On leadership. So we ought to pray for more ministries to be started. We ought to be praying for more leaders, more teachers, more, more, more serve team members, all of that. Sheep naturally follow shepherds. And so the problem is we just need more people in the field. Jesus says, pray about it. Ask God to supernaturally motivate people's hearts to get into the game. Now, when I was a college student in the 1990s, the fall of communism had taken place a few years before. A friend of mine had a great ministry in Ukraine and Russia. And so I've been over to that part of the country, the, the former Soviet Union, three or four times doing ministry. And I'll tell you, one time I was in the middle of Siberia, which, by the way, is a long ways away. I think it took three days just to get there on flights. Far, far, far east Russia. And we were doing door-to-door -door evangelism. We were knocking on doors. We were talking to people. And the Russian people had been told for so many years that there was no God and, and atheism was the, the God of the Soviet Union. And, and, and so people were, were so refreshed to hear the gospel. And, and, and me and my team, we would spend all day long going door to door to door to door to door. I've never seen so many people give their lives to Christ in one one time in my entire life. It was unbelievable. And I remembered thinking when I got back, you know, the harvest was so incredible. And I thought if we would have had 10,000 people there on this mission trip, there would have been plenty of people to talk to. 
And I thought, God, I wish that people in America had those same needs. And then it occurred to me, people do. Because people need Christ everywhere. And God began to open my eyes to the fact that that's not restricted to a geographical region, but, but people everywhere need to know the Lord. Now, some people are more receptive, and that's true. But, but there's plenty of people in our country that need to know the Lord. And, and if we would maybe be a little more intentional and maybe a little more strategic about our relationships and about what we do, we might be surprised what God would do. Amen? Some of you are here today because your friends brought you to Edge Church and you gave your life to Christ right here. And, and it was the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Somebody gave you a card or somebody called you or somebody picked you up or somebody brought you here. And, and it was a, it's a, been a beautiful thing. The number one reason that people go to church is because somebody invited them to come. It's the number one reason. And that's why we, we should be praying for people. We should be praying for people to know the Lord. We should be praying right now for the country of Ukraine right now and uh, for Russia right now. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the saddest things about the Russian dictator is not only is he a murderous leader, but also he will outlaw all forms of religious freedom in Ukraine if he's successful. And the churches will not be able to meet and exist as they do now. And I've helped start some of those churches. So we need to be praying as a people. We need to be praying, God put workers in the field of harvest in Ukraine, but we need to also be praying that in our own country because guess what? We got a lot of work to do. Did you know that less than 5%, that was before Corona, 5%, it's probably like one or 2% now, of our community actually is active in a church. Did you know that? Like, let me make this easy for you. Almost everybody that you work with doesn't go to church. That's easy, guys. That's easy. On your neighborhood, on your street, almost nobody goes to church. Maybe you could get at least one person to come, right? Your odds are good. Your odds are real good. And we should be praying for the Lord of the harvest to send out to workers. When we started our first church in another state, we moved into a street called Sheldon Drive. And little did we know that Sheldon Drive was going to be the place of revival. I did an informal survey. There were 30 houses on our street. I found one guy that went to church every Sunday, and I found two people that went from time to time. So I was like, okay, we got opportunity here. By the time that we left that church, we had six or seven families coming to our church regularly from our neighborhood, from our street. Like I'm talking like people that live next door and across the street and down the street. There was one family, their marriage was falling apart. They were on the brink of divorce. They came to the church, gave their lives to Christ. They still attend church every single week. God did amazing things and it started with the power of invitation. God is looking for workers. God is looking for people that will get out into the field and, and start to hustle just a little bit for the Lord. Amen? He says the harvest is plentiful. You know what? The kingdom of God is a winning team. He says the harvest is plentiful. Do you believe that? We kind of have this idea that the harvest is sparse. The harvest is menial is the way we live. 
What if we really began to operate and to think and to invite people as if we really believe the harvest is plentiful? We, we, we play on a winning team, not a losing team. But here's the final thing. It's, it's, it's driven by prayer, but it's, it's accomplished by work. Okay? Now, we know that our salvation does not come through work. Okay? Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So you're saved to serve. Salvation is a free gift from God that is offered to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But once we receive that free gift, God wants us to get busy. God wants us to hustle a little bit. Okay? And it is accomplished by work. Now look at verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into the harvest field. So, so the question today is, what are we doing to build the kingdom of God? What is our unique contribution? When I was a university student, I ran on the track team. I used to be fast back in the day. Not so fast anymore, but, you know, used to be fast. And... I was excited. I knew God had called me into the ministry and we had a little Bible study in the dorm and I was taking all these college kids to church and we lived in a small college town and you know, there weren't a lot of churches, but we found one church and we went to it and it was the best church in town and people were well-meaning and well-intended and, and the gospel was preached, but it wasn't a very welcoming church. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't a place that like when you brought your friends, you weren't really sure if they were going to be glad that they came or not, if you know what I mean. And I just remember thinking, if God, when you give me the opportunity to be a pastor, I want to create an environment where, where my unchurched friends will love coming to church. And that's what we've been doing over these last years, is creating an environment. Listen, I'm telling you guys, when your friends who don't know the Lord come to church, they're going to have a great time. They're going to have a great time. They're going to be welcomed. They're going to, they're, going to, they're, going to have, they're going to have a blast. They're going to be so glad you invited them to come. Because this church is all about reaching the people. So, so it's, it's, it's driven by prayer, but it's accomplished by the work. And, 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 and we, we, we need to hustle a little bit. We need to get after it. That's why Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist, right? In other words, like reaching people requires intentionality. It requires discipline. It requires focus. It requires effort. Do the work of an evangelist. And Jesus compared the harvest to a great celebration. And we're going to talk about that next week because the kingdom of God is a party. And when people give their lives to Christ, there is a magnificent celebration. And Revelation tells us about the great banquet that's going to take place at the end of time which is going to be so magnificent because everybody loves a party and everybody loves a banquet. And when people are coming to faith in Christ, it's a great celebration. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, this was the verse of scripture that I read when God confirmed his call on Gina and I's life to begin Edge Church. I was reading this verse and God made it so clear to me after reading this verse, especially this phrase, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them, 
but uh, that we came and we started this church 14 years ago. Amen. But you don't have to be a preacher to be a person that's on mission for God. God, God wants all of us to be in the fields doing our part. You, you, you might be an introvert. You might be an extrovert. You, you might be a person that knows a lot about theology in the Bible. You might be a person that doesn't know hardly anything about theology in the Bible. But, but you can get in and you can begin to hustle a little bit. You, you can begin to, to put a little work into the field by bringing those, those friends to Christ. You know, call your family, uh, post it on Facebook, uh, Snapchat, Instagram. Come on, we need some TikTok dances, amen? Inviting people to church. That'd be cool. Love that. It's the greatest opportunity of all. I love that. I love it. It's beautiful. You know, a few years ago, we had a lady that showed up one Sunday morning. Her name was Chandra. She hadn't been to church in 16 years. She grew up in a Christian family. She never really committed her life to Christ, but she had, you know, some Christian heritage, you could say. And she decided to date a guy that was an atheist. And so when she started dating this guy, she kind of abandoned her Christian faith. She intentionally chose a life of atheism. And that relationship ended after 16 years, and she came to Edge Church upon the invitation of her sister. And that very first Sunday she was here, she committed her life to Christ. And God began to do some magnificent and some wonderful and powerful things in her heart. And, and I was thinking about her this week because I thought it, it started with one invitation. It, it started with one one opportunity. You see, when we begin to look at the world through the lens of compassion, who's hurting? Who has a need? Who needs the Lord? And then we extend that invitation in and through prayer. We follow up with those individuals. We become a tool in the hand of Almighty God. Now listen, God accomplishes His purposes through people. Do you believe that? Sometimes we just have this idea, well, you know, God's just going to do whatever God's, God's going to do. And, and that's true. But, but isn't it also true that God uses people? Okay, let's not become so spiritual that we, grab, that we levitate off of the ground today. Amen? Like God uses people and God uses normal people. God uses people like you. God uses people that that other people might discount or, or maybe overlook. God uses normal, everyday folks. And listen, when we, when we get involved in kingdom work, it's the most rewarding, it's the most beautiful and wonderful opportunity because we get the significance of feeling like, man, God, God used me. Isn't that beautiful? Look around and say, you know, in some small way, God used my life to point others to Christ. It's beautiful. There's a blessing that's involved in that. There, there, there's a power that's involved in that. And God wants us to join him in that. I'm challenging you this week, Edge Church, to think about who you could bring next weekend to Edge Church. And, oh, it's going to be such a great party. It's going to be such a great celebration. 
It's going to be so beautiful. We can't wait to see what God's going to do. Will you join me for a moment in prayer?